Priority Talk. Welcome in. It's Priority Talk Radio. Good news, Christian values here on Truth 101, WXJC. We're glad uh, to have you hanging out with us a little bit. 101.1 FM, AM 850. Also, uh, don't forget the free app, WXJC Radio. You can listen live anywhere you may be, whenever you want to. And also sign up for all those nice giveaways uh, from our programmers there at the website, including the newest book from Michael Youssef at this present time. You can sign up and win a copy of uh, his latest book and uh, from leading the way all right glad you're with us beautiful day outside my goodness uh, it feels like a, a a nice spring day i mean this afternoon it does it was cooler this morning but uh, i can handle this weather all right a lot better than what we had two weeks ago a lot better than what we had last week this this is it all right so hopefully it'll hang out in uh, in this range for a few days and i hope even um for maybe the better part of a week or so because next wednesday a week from tomorrow we have our our prayer rally out on the state house steps in montgomery not the capitol steps but the state house steps and uh, we invite you to come down and be with us if you can if you can drive to montgomery uh, join us in prayer and then you can uh, go in the state house we we do know now they are going to be in session that day uh, they'll have, I assume, probably some committee meetings and stuff, but they're also going to gavel in and do session that day. So it'll be a great day to be there, uh, see, meet your legislator, see them, and uh, we'll help you do that to the best we can. Uh, be a lot of people there, but we'll do our very best to help you. But uh, 11 a.m. is the uh, prayer rally, uh, ALCAP, Alabama Policy Institute, Eagle Forum, lots of groups uh, joining in on this. It's the third consecutive year. And uh, the prayer rally doesn't last long, 15, eh, 20 minutes maybe, about 20 minutes. We'll have scripture reading and, and, uh, and prayer. Uh, it's not a political rally. We don't make political speeches. Uh, we're there to pray for the people uh, that are serving in those important roles uh, through our government. So join us next Wednesday, and hopefully we'll have weather like we had today. That's what we're, uh, that's what we're waiting on, all right? So that's a week from Wednesday. And, of course, the legislative session begins next week on Tuesday, and then the prayer rallies on Wednesday, and I will be in Montgomery all next week, actually, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'll be there, and uh, we'll be broadcasting from Montgomery. So if you want to know what's happening in the State House, this is where you want to listen. Uh, I, I'm the only person that leaves the State House, drives up the road, and gets on the air. I'm going to be the only person that's uh, interviewing legislators in their office during the day and then letting you hear it a couple of hours later on the radio. So uh, if you want to know what's happening, listen in. I'm there. I'm in the room. I'm in the halls. And I can tell you the mood, not only what's said, but how it's said. So uh, you'll want to be with us. All righty. Uh, this guy here in studio. Oh, by the way, we're, uh, we are broadcasting uh, our live stream. Head to our Facebook page. And uh, we're broadcasting live here in studio. Um, doing it because we've got a guest in today. So um, it's always nice when we have a guest. You can watch. So just head to our Priority Talk Facebook page. And so in studio with us, a guy that knows a little something about um, being at the State House and the Capitol and all that, uh, Brian Taylor joins us. And, of course, he's a, a candidate uh, for Alabama Chief Justice uh, coming up. Of course, the primary votes March the 5th 
March 5th. Right around the corner. I mean, it's close, it's man. Good. Just over a month away. A lot, a lot of folks are used to the primaries being in June, but it's a presidential election year, so it's it's moved up to Super Tuesday. Moved this it year. up, yeah. yeah. Uh, where all you been lately? Let's go the last three or four days. Where have you been the last three or four days? I've been uh, I've been down in in Mobile, Baldwin County. Uh, I've been up in Marshall County, and uh, right around here is Shelby County. And uh, let's see, I was in. Um, uh, Greenville last night, so we're just trying to get around everywhere we can and and make sure we get our message out mm-hmm. and uh, make sure people understand how important this race is. This is the highest statewide race on the ballot this year, mm-hmm. Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, and um, and I man, I tell you, Greg, we've we just had a, a phenomenal last two weeks. Uh, the campaign's on fire. The momentum is is in our favor. And uh, appreciate you having me on to, to talk about that and some other things today. Absolutely, uh, you've got a, a lot of um, a, a lot of expertise and history and experience uh, in the gambling issue from when you worked in the Riley administration. Because mm-hmm. t- what was your, your role in the in the Riley administration? I was I was a policy director and assistant legal counsel for okay. the governor. And then you worked in the Ivy administration as well as her chief legal advisor. Okay, so right. so you've been there. You've heard these discussions. You've been part of them. You you have figured out things that other people maybe had struggled to connect the dots on, and you've been in the room when it all come together. Well, as you know, when you when you rely on on uh, when you have to rely on the media to get the message out, this is the gambling issue. How we got here is a very uh, long story and a very complex story, and and people just don't have the the bandwidth to. Uh, really well uh, you've learn, educated learn. me some on it and so uh that's why i wanted you to be here and, and just educate our listeners on it. i think you do a really good job of, uh, of of approaching it from a high level uh but going enough deep enough to where people can really understand um you know the issues that are that are at stake and just from, from your experience uh in it so we're going to get to that uh a little bit down the road uh but let's do say i think everybody in the state of alabama today got a text about, did you get it too, Josh? Did you get it? I mean, I, I got think, it walking in here. I, I mean, I've had so many people send it to me, like, "Hey, did you see this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I got it too." So it's already began. Um, I mean, you know, this is the what we call by the vote. Yeah, that, that's what this is. You know, let the people vote. Well, that really means we'll buy the vote because we will uh, flood you with a uh, uh, an overwhelming amount of uh, of half inf- half truths, misinformation. Uh, one side of, of an issue, and uh, and and that's buying the vote. And look, for the gambling industry, it's an investment they make because they stand to gain lots of money for a lot of years off of this if it passes. And so the rest of us that are trying to fight this, you know, we're out nickel and diamond trying to get churches to give some money and, you know, things like that to help us get the information out. But we'll be outspent 25, 50 to 1. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's by the vote. And, and, the, and the text you're talking about is one that, uh, again, it was it was let the people vote or let, let Alabama voice be heard. And mm-hmm. so, uh, as you know, that's something the legislature has decided to take up. But here, here's what I think is lost. Why does this come up every year? Right. And the answer is because the Alabama Supreme Court has made absolutely clear yep. that under the Alabama Constitution, Gambling is illegal. I think it's no fewer than 16 cases the Alabama Supreme Court has handed down. I think it is 16. Um, and, and most recently they said uh, all that remains now is for the law to be enforced. And so uh, the law is clear on this. And uh, that's why there's this effort in the legislature to, to pass something because it has to start there. It has to start there and then it would have to go to a vote of the people. Yeah. And uh, and you're right. There's definitely a, an imbalance in the ability to uh, influence the election 
when it comes to money. Yep. And uh, this is just the beginning. This was just a, a little warning shot today of, uh, uh, hey, if we don't, th- if, if this continues to move forward, we're going to overwhelm you with uh, with ads and text and yeah. messages on your social media feed. Well, and, and I think, and, you know, we were talking earlier, Greg, before we went on the air, that uh, th- this was this text message, although it went out to who knows how many Alabamians, it's really a message to the 105 members of the legislature. And that yeah. message is, we, we, we're we here, we have the money, we have yeah. the power, we have the influence, we need you to vote the we way. Just we just texted should. every person in your That's district. Right. That's right. There's no telling what that cost today, what they did. I have no idea. It, it, it went out it's to a probably, lot of money. It probably went out to hundreds of thousands of people, if yeah. not more. I mean, to every probably potential voter, it went out to them today. Uh, so if you if you didn't get it, you might go to, want to go check your voting uh, registration because uh, they, they targeted... Uh, every potential voter, I would say, here in the state of Alabama to the best of their ability. Uh, well, let's talk about, um, you know, the uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court is coming available. That It's an open seat because uh, Chief Justice Tom Parker is retiring. Yep, that's right. And so that opened this up, uh, you know, for Republicans and Democrats. And you've got, there's not a Democrat running, though, I don't believe it. Is, there is one there Democrat is one? that's okay. qualified. So okay. does not have a, uh, an opponent in, in the okay. Democrat primary. He'll be on the general election ballot. Okay, so there is a Democrat. Um, and then uh, it's you and, and your opponent in the Republican side. Sarah Stewart. And that will come up on March the 5th. So, again, we're just setting it out. You need to be knowing what's going on. And uh, obviously, um, you know, you feel like you're the better choice or you wouldn't be uh, running. Tell, tell, tell folk, folks, uh, you know, what sets you apart. Well, I'm, I'm the conservative in the race. I think, uh, I think I'm the only conservative in the race. I think Justice Stewart, and I've said this uh, to you, and, and I've said this in front of her, so uh, I think she's the most liberal justice on the Alabama Supreme Court right now. She's running in the Republican primary. And that makes sense. I mean, it's a red state. We're a conservative red state. So if you want to, uh, if you want to win a statewide office like this, you typically run as a Republican. Uh, but what's happening is around the country right now is, is liberals and progressives are uh, organized. Uh, they know that it's really hard to flip a legislature in a red state. You've got to win a majority of 105 races. Uh, but when it comes to the Supreme Court, you only have to win a majority of nine. And so uh, there is an organized effort around the country to target uh, conservative Supreme Courts and pick off those seats one by one. I believe that this is the next uh, uh, the next seat in, in that in that effort. Um, and I, they are they're overwhelmingly supporting my opponent, Sarah Stewart, uh, uh, because she's she's a judicial activist and she's not a conservative. Well, she's got a lot more billboards than you have. She does. She's got the Ale- Alexander Shinara effect going on. Yeah. Uh, They're everywhere, but, but that's okay because mm-hmm. I'm I'm coming and doing shows like this. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing the message directly to the voters. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a grassroots campaign, a grassroots organization, and I've asked Sarah Stewart to debate me for the last three four months, mm-hmm. uh, and most recently I did it at the Mobile County uh, GOP Executive Committee meeting. About 300 people there, and I looked at her in the eyes right in front of everybody, and I said. Uh, that was a candidate forum, by the way, for all candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, no opportunity to answer questions. We just stood up and give a speech. And so I stood up and I said, Justice Stewart, I've asked you many times to join me in, a, in an open forum, one-on-one, and let's just answer questions from the voters. And she's uh, decided not to take me up on that. So I'll renew that tonight mm-hmm. if, if she's listening or anybody on her campaign is listening. I would renew my uh, call for her to join me before the election in a, in a we'll call it whatever we want, call it a debate, call it a roundtable discussion or a town hall. But I think it's important, uh, with this being the most important statewide race on the ballot this election cycle, 
it's absolutely critical that the voters understand who we are, what is our judicial philosophy, and what is our record. And it's so easy to stand up when you have three minutes to speak at a, at a Republican meeting mm-hmm. and just claim to be a conservative or claim to be um, uh, a, a judge who's going to uh, not legislate from the bench. I, I say that. I think all ju- judicial candidates say But what does that really mean? Uh, because when cases come before judges, especially appellate judges on the, on the Court of Civil Appeals and the, and the Supreme Court, um, we're always going to be uh, uh, faced with an ambiguous uh, reading of the Constitution or the law. You got or it to your lawyers on each side yeah. telling you how to how to yeah. how it should be read. Well, if it was easy, it wouldn't be before you. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So so when when we say uh, I'm not going to legislate from the bench, what I mean is I'm going to give the law a plain English, uh, an English language reading. And I'm going to apply the law as it was intended by the founders, if you're talking about the Constitution, by the people's elected representatives when you're talking about the statutes and the Code of Alabama. And and that's what I mean when I say I'm not going to legislate from the bench. Um, I don't know exactly what Sarah Stewart means, but but her record, in, in my opinion, and I think if you look at her record, it, it bears out that she um, has a habit of supplanting her own personal policy preferences. Give us an example. Uh, what, what's a what's an example? Well, of that? A, a great example. The the few months ago, uh, there was a case against a um, a Dollar General. Uh, the a customer inside the store was injured, not from a slip and fall inside the store, but when a when a car came careening through the front of the store. Wow. Uh, and it went to trial. The jury held Dollar General liable somehow. Um, for some other driver's error in crashing their car into the front of the store. So that goes up to the Supreme Court. Every member of the Alabama Supreme Court relieved Dollar General of liability in that case, and they reversed that jury verdict, except for one, Sarah Stewart. Hmm. Uh, Sarah Stewart voted to uphold that dur- that jury verdict. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why, because she didn't explain it in a written opinion, as most judges do. And so I've asked her to explain that. She's not really explained that. But... Um, she just has a, uh, and, and there's several other cases, the Spring Hill Hospital case out of Mobile, uh, where she voted to ignore the constitutional guideposts, and, and she upheld the largest punitive damages verdict in the history of Alabama in that type of case. Uh, it represented a 150 increase, 150% increase in punitive damages in just two years. Mm. And, uh, and she voted against the most conservative justices on the court who said, hey, there's constitutional guideposts here that tell us to look at the most recent comparable case to determine what is a fair assessment of uh, punitive damages. And this case blows that out of the water. But she voted uh, she voted to uphold those punitive damages. So um, that's just a, you know, I could yeah. go on and on. There's sure. another 10 cases, but. Well, that gives people an idea of the kind of cases and the things that go that happen. And, uh, and and so, you know, it is important that you have the right person because the, the, the chief justice uh, well, sets the docket. And, and let me mention one more. Sometimes I, I, I get off on the, the, the civil cases here. Uh, but one thing that she has not talked about is, um, is, the, is her, is her crim- record of criminal cases. She recently, uh, well, when she was a trial judge in Mobile, she gave youthful offender status that means tried as a juvenile instead of, instead of trying someone as an adult. It was mm-hmm. a 20-year-old man accused of sexually torturing and sodomizing a 4-year-old child. And because of her decision to give him youthful offender status, he didn't spend one day in Alabama State Prison. Mm. Uh, he's out on the streets today. And 
I'm, that's just not consistent with my conservative values. I'm going to protect children. I'm going to protect families. And I'm going to, I'm going to do so to the fullest extent of the law. I will always uphold the law. And uh, I would love uh, for somebody to ask Sarah Stewart, why would you give a pedophile that kind of a break? Um, and she's never had to answer that. Yeah, well, billboards don't answer questions. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> and 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 to your to your point, Greg, you know, and I say this to groups all the time. I know how it is when you get into the poll. By the time the election comes around, there's so many people running for office. Your yeah. eyes are rolling back yep. in your head. You know who you're running, voting for, president and governor, and maybe mm-hmm. attorney general and senator. But by the time you get down to judges, you just yep. you don't even know. So that's why it's so important for me to do things like this show with you tonight to make sure that people understand just how important this race is. And I think people do as they look around the country now and they see um, just how important courts are, the the last bastion of hope for upholding good laws and striking down Mm -hmm. nonsense. Uh, well, so, we see it at the Supreme, at the U.S. Supreme Court level, but the, the state Supreme Court level is also very important. Brian Taylor in studio with us, B-R-Y-A-N, BrianTaylor.com is uh, his site if you want to go learn more about him and his history. He's a veteran as well. Uh, so lots there to learn about him. And, uh, of course, he is uh, running against Sarah Stewart for uh, Alabama Chief Justice. All right, let's take this break, come back on the other side, and we are going to get uh, into the weeds some on uh, on gambling that you know they say hey this is a complicated issue the laws are complicated people don't understand it that's why we need to vote on it that was part of the text today well we're going to simplify it for you break it down and give you some history we'll get into that uh but we're talking about other stuff as well 205-941-1011 if you've got a question uh for brian you can call or text 205-941-1011 Here at Priority Talk, we're showcasing our longest-running advertiser and good friend of the show, Today's Family Dentistry, your family hometown dental practice, conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians and a friendly staff who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with all the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield, all kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment at 256-739-3337. That's today's Family Dentistry, located in downtown Coleman, directly behind the Coleman County Courthouse. That's 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly hometown dentist in Coleman. This is Glenn Coffey former running back of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and you're listening to Greg Davis on Priority And we welcome you back in 25 minutes after the hour here on this Tuesday. Boy, it's already been a long week. All right, Tuesday. I was all the way up uh, today in Florence, Alabama, and I made my way back here. Brian, talking about your schedule, I uh, um, I was in Tuscaloosa Sunday. Uh, I will be in Madison, uh, Talladega, Greenville, Laverne, Troy through the weekend. You're campaigning just as hard as we are. Then to Montgomery for next week. Yeah. Uh, Our prayer rally next Wednesday at 11 a.m. at the State House Steps in Montgomery. We invite all of you to come out and and be there. Uh, There'll there'll be a good group there, and uh, we're going to join in prayer. Uh, Brian Taylor here, of course, uh, candidate for uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. 
And uh, now, last time you were here, you I don't know if we talked about it on air, you were just getting into um, kind of handling a situation with our public libraries, and that has been resolved since that time. Yeah, take, take two or three or four minutes here and just explain to people what happened. So, you know, there's there's this uh, uh, controversy uh, about uh, the appropriateness of certain books for children that have been mm-hmm. on display in the public libraries. And there are groups all over the state who have found just some atrocious, horrendous mm-hmm. material. Um, and and so John Wall, chairman of the Republican Party, to his credit, he yep. serves on the board. He was successful in getting a resolution passed requiring the state board, the Alabama Public Library Service, to uh, to receive uh, complaints or challenges from from concerned parents about the books that they find in the libraries, <laughs> but then they said, but they're not going to make the list public. So uh, well, I, I tell you, I was there the day he tried to get the resolution, and uh, I'm not going to say he was the only one, but he was the only one that made any noise that was even for it. Yeah, and yeah. I'll never forget the chairman of that, whatever his name is. He clearly said that day, because somebody said, hey, if they lift these books, we should look at them and see what the problem is. And he literally said, I don't have time to read books. Uh, just, well, and I he, thought, he, what, what do you think your job is? He, you oversee the libraries. You don't have time to look at books? Well, they, yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's just, it, it just goes to show that, you know, we, we've got to make sure we have the right people in place yeah. who, are, who, are, who are doing yeah, the job. He might be a fine man. Protecting he was awful children. On that. Yeah. But... Um, you know, John did a great job getting that resolution passed. I don't think he was expecting uh, what came out in the press uh, the next day was a statement from the agency that yeah they're gonna they're gonna keep the list but they're not gonna make it public. Well, what's the point of the list then if parents can't look at a list and see what inappropriate books their children might encounter mm-hmm. in the library? So, um, a group of concerned citizens uh, uh, who who had been involved in this from the beginning called and asked me if there was anything they could do. I said, well, I don't, I don't think the list is a state secret. I think it's subject to the Open Meetings Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, excuse me, the Open Records Act. And so um, they hired me or retained me uh, on a pro bono basis. That means I, I did it free of charge uh, to bring an open records lawsuit, if necessary, uh, to make sure that that list was made available to the public. Um, fortunately, we didn't have to bring a lawsuit. Uh, Dr. Nancy Pack, to her credit, called me up and said, look, you know, if you submit a public records request, we'll send you a copy. Yeah. So she did. We got a copy of the list. It's up on my website right now. Uh, and as we were talking about earlier, anybody and everybody can sit, submit a book uh, yeah. on that list. And there are some books on there that shouldn't be on there. Well, They're exactly. just fine. Yeah, you got people that are just going to be, uh, you know, uh, going to make a mockery of it. Yeah. And we, That's you know, on there to protect children from uh, transgender and yeah. sexually explicit material that's being targeted at them in the children's section of public libraries. Yeah, and think, people are going to yeah. put things on there like... A Rush Limbaugh book. Somebody or complained about like the that. Left Behind series. Yeah, that, you know, I mean, so, but the point is, it, it, the point is, it's public and and people can go there now and make informed decisions. Does about, it? I haven't looked. Does it just show the book, or does it show where it was found, what library it was reported from? It just shows the book and the title. Okay, um, that's all we've requested at this point. Okay, uh, but again, it's in it and it's set in time on the 18th of January is is when that. Bottom of the came. hour, we'll be right back. Brian Taylor in studio with us. Did you know that you can choose life when renewing your automobile tax? Choose Life Alabama is celebrating 20 years of license plate sales in Alabama. 
Over those 20 years, $4.4 million has been given to pregnancy resource centers just from the sales of Choose Life Auto Tags. Each year, Alabamians pay an extra $50 for approximately 6,000 automobile license plates. The great majority of those funds go directly to local pregnancy resource centers and other pro-life causes. By placing a Choose Life tag on a vehicle, you're also encouraging people to protect the unborn who are made in God's image. In this 20th year of Choose Life Alabama, Priority Talk listeners could easily help double the number of Choose Life automobile tags purchased and therefore double the amount of funds given back to your local pregnancy resource centers. Choose Life Alabama is a low-maintenance, high-impact virtual organization with practically no overhead and no physical location. Learn how you can make sure no unborn life is lost by visiting ChooseLifeAlabama.org. Pregnancy resource centers around the state greatly depend on this annual funding from license plate renewals. Learn how you can help at ChooseLifeAlabama.org. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. All right, we're back in. It is Priority Talk Radio right here on Truth 101. And, uh, hey, let... um, let Dot Edison help you with all of your marketing needs, uh, and that can be everything from your website to your social media to printed material to uh, even writing for you and your church, your ministry, your business. Dot Edison.com, D-O-T Edison.com. Uh, they're the best one stop. You know, you just get them, and they take care of everything for you, and they get it all going in the same direction, pointed in the right, um, pointed in the right way. And uh, you just get you work out a plan, and then they go to work for you. All right. Uh, so uh, talk to them. Dot Edison. Dot com. Quit trying to handle this over here and this over here and that over there, and none of it makes sense. None of it's coordinated. None of it's consistent in messaging. And uh, let Dot Edison uh, sit down with you and kind of lay out a plan uh, for what they could uh, do to help you be much more effective and efficient in your marketing. Dot Edison. Dot com. Brian Taylor in studio with us, and uh, we're talking about. Uh, uh, his uh, run for uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court vote is March 5th. That is the, uh, the, the primary day. We just keep putting that data, date out there to you. Uh, if you're not registered, you need to be registered. If, uh, if you're not going to be available to vote March the 5th in person, you need to get an absentee ballot. Uh, yeah, we're still doing it the old-fashioned way here. Show up on March the 5th and vote. And, uh, and, if, and if you're you know, hindered from doing so, you do have the option of absentee, but you need to really be thinking through that and, uh, and not let it get away from you because voting is very important. And, look, it's important. I know a lot of you vote Republican. I get it. Uh, and it's important that if you vote Republican that you vote truly vote for conservatives. Uh, look, there's a lot of people in our state right now serving us uh, that are uh, – they just got R's beside their names. They're not, they're not truly conservatives. And so uh, while there is a, a supermajority and all statewide offices are held by Republicans, look, that doesn't mean that every one of those people are what you may consider carry what you may consider Republican values. They just don't. And you've got to look behind the talking points, too. Mm-hmm. You've, got to, you've got to ask the deeper questions uh, to really test whether somebody understands what conservative values means and, and how to apply them in their, in their office. And, uh, I'm not saying they don't think they're conservative. They may think they are. You know what I mean? But, but you've got to define that. What does right. that mean? That's right. And uh, just to say I'm a conservative, um, that may not be what you think it means. Uh, so Brian Taylor is here. And, uh, and Brian, I know, um, you know your faith, your Christian um, is really important to you. You took that with you uh, when you served as a state senator. 
um, you know, you've lived that out in the public life. Um, and I know faith in the courts is very important to you as well. Just just talk about the faith aspect of, of ser- public service. I mean, you've already done it, but you're looking to do it again. Well, I think it's important. Uh, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again sinner. And uh, it's important for me to say it like that. I mm-hmm. think too many Christians uh, stand up and uh, are often perceived as Pharisees. Uh, that, that that it's important that we acknowledge uh, that that we're, we're we live in a fallen world and we are fallen. And, and but right. for the grace of God, um, uh, we would not be able to um, to join His kingdom. Well, but, if we weren't fallen, we wouldn't need courts. That's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I mean. That's right. And, and, and but you know, One you make a great point. Fall, courts, courts are courts are part of the heck. You know, Israel had judges before they had kings. Yeah. And um, uh, judges play a crucial role, and, there, and the Bible speaks in a, in a lot of different places uh, about uh, the role of judges and, and fairness and carrying out justice uh, here on earth. And um, you know, I, I think that it's important for our for our courts uh, to understand. And the U.S. Supreme Court has recently said in the, in the Dobbs case, uh, that's the case that overturned Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Supreme Court corre- correcting the record uh, and getting rid of Roe v. Wade said, look, we're not going to look to some judicially created uh, artificial construct about what the judge thinks the law should be. We're going to look to those deeply rooted uh, traditions and history of our country uh, about what rights are contained in the Constitution when we're interpreting the Constitution. And, of course, when you look at the deeply rooted tradition and history of this country, it's, it's a Judeo-Christian foundation. Uh, we were we were we were founded on biblical principles. Uh, the the the, t- the Ten Commandments, one of the most profound uh, foundational documents. Well, it's the it. basis of all of our laws. It is. It's, it's it's the basis of all of our laws. And um, so, you know, my faith personally as a judge, and I tell this to groups, I I don't believe ever in using my office to impose my religious doctrine on anybody. As a judge, I, I would never. Uh, favor any party, uh, one party over the other, or discriminate on the basis of religion. Um, I would rule uh, in every case based on the Constitution, and I believe we have religious freedom, the freedom to worship according to our conscience. Uh, the free exercise of religion uh, is, is enshrined in the Constitution, and it's one of those rights not given to us by the Constitution. It's given to us by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Constitution. Well, the government should protect it. That's it right. The Constitution is there to protect the rights, right. but we're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, and that mm-hmm. among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, uh, as a judge in the courtroom, I would never impose my uh, religious beliefs on anybody. But when I talk about being guided by my faith, uh, in any role that I've had, and, and as a judge, being guided by, by my faith means understanding that. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, mm-hmm. as the Bible says. And um, approaching every case with that humility that um, uh, that I, I see, I, I, we have a tendency to see things through our human eyes, and I need to, uh, as a judge, I need to consider each case prayerfully and understand that wisdom comes from above and, and pray for God to move through me and, and reach the right decisions in those cases. Well, amen. I, I think that's exactly right, and I think that's what people need to hear. And, uh, you know, cases like, uh, you know, Coach Kennedy are really important. Absolutely. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week, but yeah. I know uh, that's one that, uh, you know, really strikes a nerve with you because it's religious liberty. Yeah, you know, the, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court in the case of uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District did something really profound. They, they didn't just tell the coach, hey, you have a right to pray on the field. What they did was they overturned something called the Lemon Test. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lemon Test came from an old case called Lemon v. Kurtzman. 
And that was a case in, in, in which the court set up a three-part test to determine whether a particular government action uh, violated the Establishment Clause of the Constitution, of the First Amendment. Now, of course, the Establishment Clause says uh, Congress shall make no law establishing religion. And it's that clause that over the years has been interpreted to prohibit things like coaches uh, praying on the football field. And so Coach Kennedy was fired. He sued, in that case, went all the, uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, like they did in, in the Dobbs case when they overturned Roe v. Wade, they said, look, the lemon test was an artificial judicial mm-hmm. concept. There's, there, you know, that's, we've got to achieve the proper balance between re- respecting the right to free exercise of religion on one hand and, and prohibiting government establishment of religion on the other. But the court said uh, the lemon test is not the right test for that. Well, when they did that, there's a whole line of cases uh, that relied on the lemon test and well, striking I was things say, down. Though, the the kind of invalidation of the lemon test is sort of not exactly, but sort of the equivalent to uh, uh, to the Dobbs decision of, over, of overturning. It, it, it's, it, that is to abortion what this is to a religious liberty. Not me, exactly legally, but just in principle. Let me give you a, a, a perfect example. Uh, another case called Stone versus Graham. Mm-hmm. That was the U.S. Supreme Court case that said you can't have the Ten Commandments in public schools. You cannot display the Ten Commandments in public schools. You can't talk about them. Well, that case was entirely built on the lemon test. Uh, The court said, uh, if we measure these up against the test in in lemon, therefore it violates the Constitution, the Establishment Clause, and you can't do it. Well, now that the Supreme Court has said the lemon test is not the right test Mm -hmm. and that it went too far, the Stone versus Graham case is is in question now. So what would happen? Those would be, could be relitigated? Absolutely. They, so yeah, people yeah, can bring those back the, and run them back up the flagpole again. Up, uh, you know, we, we've got the ten. A lot of people don't realize this. The Ten Commandments is on display in the United States Supreme Court and always has been. Yeah. Now it's a symbolic display. I don't think it's 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 not. But it, but at least it's sitting there above the dais. It's it's a display of respect for a symbol of our Judeo-Christian heritage and the in the foundation of our moral law, and um, the moral foundation of our law. And um, and so it, it it would be interesting to see. Um, what would happen if, if somebody uh, decides to bring the Ten Commandments into the schools or back into the courtroom and, and you we know, might stone... find out Judge Moore was right all along. Well, you know, the, the case, <laughs> Judge Moore's case was built entirely on the limit yeah, test, the yeah. case against uh, against him. So what I've been telling folks on the campaign trail is one thing we're going to do if I'm Chief Justice is we're going to open every session with prayer. Now, some folks tell me you can't do that. That's unco- that's absolutely constitutional. Do they not do that now? They don't do that now. The Alabama Supreme o- Court does not open with they prayer. They don't open with prayer. They may have some some private, uh, of course. They, well, they, I mean, the Senate does. The, the House does. The legislature does. Fact, the Congress I'm, does. I'm leading the Senate and opening prayer next Tuesday, the first day. That's I'm, right. Yeah. So, so we, there's nothing the, wrong with it. The Fifth Circuit sure. has actually taken this question up. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and has held that it's I'm perfectly really surprised constitutional. that they don't open in prayer. So we're going we're gonna to open up court sessions with prayer, and we're not going to shy away from displaying uh, the symbols of our, our uh, legal heritage uh, in this country, whether it be uh, the Ten Commandments or the Declaration of Independence. I don't think there's anything that requires us to remove those from the public sector anymore not. after no. the Kennedy case. Yeah, surely not. Well, these kind of cases are important because they chip away at your uh, ability to uh, to not only worship freely, you know, uh, worship is according to how you define things, but we want more than freedom of worship. You know, freedom of worship is, hey, keep that in your house, keep that in the church building. Yeah. But once you go to work or go to school or 
get out in the marketplace, you keep that stuff to yourself. Yep. We're talking religious freedom. That's right. Not just the freedom to worship, but the freedom to practice your religion in your everyday life. And and don't think for a minute once uh, once the freedom to practice your faith in your everyday life is is taken that they won't come for the uh, the the freedom to worship next. Well, okay, and, and that, the, that'll come next, the, both in church and home. You're exactly right. The U.S. Supreme Court has made clear that the free exercise clause, which guarantees our right to freely exercise our religion, uh, overlaps with the free with the free expression with freedom of speech and freedom of mm-hmm. expression, and so. Um, the 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 right to practice my faith includes the right to share my faith mm-hmm. uh, in in all aspects of life. Now, as I said a minute ago, I can't do that as a public official, as a government official. I'm not going to tell you what you need to believe. That would be, I'd be like a Pharisee then. Yeah. But uh, well, it'd be but ineffective I, as well. But but you know, like Coach Kennedy, uh, I, you know, we lead. We can lead by example, yeah. and we can do things like uh, opening sessions with prayer that show proper respect for the Creator. Who endowed us yeah. with the rights that we enjoy? Well, for example, I've had teachers tell me, because uh, you know, with my previous uh, ministry for 25 years was, was an organization called First Priority of Alabama, and all the schools, you know, and I was the state coordinator for CU at the Pole. Yep. Everybody goes to the flagpole the fourth Wednesday of September. Okay, I was a state coordinator for a quarter of a century. Uh, over that, I've had teachers tell me that their principals say, "Don't go anywhere near that flagpole when the, when the kids go to pray." Somebody might think you're praying. Yeah. If you go near, Don't, well, you can't even walk out there. Somebody might think you're praying. And, and you know that's not even that's not even the law. No. That's that, of course that's, it's not. That's lawyers who are over, over being overly cautious, saying don't do anything that might get us sued. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're a Christian, you might have to do some things every now and then that get you sued because folks like the ACLU and the SPLC, they're what is it? Uh, separation church and. Uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation. Yeah, 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 Freedom from Religion Foundation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those folks are out threatening lawsuits, yeah. and as a result, that's what's that's what's shutting down a lot of these uh, public displays that's of exactly faith. Exactly right. Not not and the, the lawyers law. say, oh, go along with it because right. we, you don't want to pay the legal fees. Yeah, and uh, and that is totally anyway. We can get on that. We, well, it's we important spent, for people like Coach Kennedy to stand up and say, well, I'll file a law. It is, and we <laughs> and we spent an hour on that last week. Uh, Last Thursday, you know, you were at our lunch last Thursday, or you were there when uh, Steve Marshall, Attorney General, was there, and our friends from Alliance Defending Freedom were there. They presented a little later in the day, came over and spent an hour here on the air with us, and we talked through some of these issues. And, uh, you know, Alliance Defending Freedom is sort of the opposite of Freedom from Religion, right. ACLU, these groups. I've had some uh, handled some litigation for Alliance Defending Freedom yeah. or in you, conjunction with so, them. Yeah. So you do work with them as well. I have. Yeah, they've yeah. got a network of attorneys all over the country over. who donate their time to take on these kind of cases. So I'm always like, don't worry about the legal fees. We've got attorneys yeah. that'll that'll step up and that's take right. these if it's a good case. You yeah. know, they're not going to take one that's a waste of time. Yeah. But uh, if you've got a good case like, hey, don't even go don't even look at the flagpole cuz somebody might think you're praying. That's ridiculous. But I I've, I've been told that multiple times by teachers. Uh, told stay away. Don't go out there. Well, folks are afraid of losing their jobs. They are. It's you know. But you and, shouldn't have to live that way. We have freedom of religion in in our country. And that's chipping away at it. And that's why, uh, you know, positions like uh, being uh, on the uh, Alabama Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court or being the chief justice is so important because you've got to have people there who understand this and won't let that happen. Uh, And it's happened for far too long in that lemon test. 
they, wore, lemon. they wore us out with that for what 30 40 years yeah yeah we just wore us out with it and and it, and and it shut down a lot of like you just said it, sh- it shut people down uh, from people f- almost forgot that there was a free yeah. exercise yeah. clause a free exercise you couldn't religion. even say jesus in public or yeah. use somebody over the lemon test yeah. i mean it was just it's ridiculous all right brian taylor is here in studio with us brian taylor.com uh he is uh will be on the ballot march 5th on the republican uh primary for Alabama Chief Justice, uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. I always try to get it mixed up. Uh, and so uh, he's sitting in with us long form today, and we're going to talk about uh, gambling as well coming up because he's got a lot of history uh, with this issue in the state and can give us a lot of perspective on uh, why we're where we are today and, uh, and how we got here where we have um, a proposal of possibly 10 Class Three casinos across the state when we have none now. What's the truth? How did we get here? Uh, all of these kind of questions. We're going to talk about those as well as we move forward. 205-941-1011 is our number. Uh, call or text 205-941-1011. Look, this is your chance. If you've got a question uh, or a comment uh, or a, uh, a criticism, whatever you got, this is your chance. Uh, talk to the candidate or send a message, and I'll relay it to him. We'll be right back. Scale your business with a dedicated team of experts. A marketing vendor focuses on profit. A marketing partner focuses on your business. With Dot Edison, there is no more taking, only serving. Feel great about your marketing with Dot Edison. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. Hey, everybody, this is Pam Tebow, and I just want to give a shout-out to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. Brian Taylor in studio with me, and uh, we are uh, talking through a lot of different issues. And, of course, he is a candidate for Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. March 5th is the Alabama primary day, Republican and Democrat. So uh, wherever you vote, that's the day. You can't vote in both. You can only vote in one. And if you vote in the, in the Republican or the Democrat, and then there's a runoff, you have to vote in the Repu- the same one. So once you choose your side, that's it. Um, I know many of you probably uh, voting in the Republican primary, and Brian Taylor uh, will be one of two candidates uh, there for Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. And he's sitting in with us long form today. Hope you're enjoying the conversation. Uh, Brian, go back and just give a little bit of your experience, uh, and then next hour we're going to get into this into the gambling issue, and you're going you're going to teach us a lot about it. Uh, but just your experience, um, and and sort of what qualifies you for such a position. Well, you know the chief justice uh, the chief justice role is really three different roles. Uh, first of all, you're a judge. You're one of nine judges on the court making decisions in cases. Uh, you're also a, an advocate for the entire court system. I mean, as chief justice, you've got to go over to the legislature and get funding and, and, and get funding mm-hmm. and then get in the budgets. And, and then then uh, the third role of the chief justice is administrative. You're the chief administration, basically the CEO of the entire judiciary in the state of Alabama. So that means making sure that you're not only getting the funds from the from the governor's office and the legislature, but you're, you're allocating those funds appropriately across the 67 different counties and, and their courts. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I that I've talked about is my experience in the legislature, um, having served a term there and serving on the budget committee, knowing how that works, uh, 
Because you were uh, a state senator. I was a state senator for uh, for four years from 2010 to 2014. I defeated a, an entrenched seven-term Democrat and became the first Republican to represent uh, my Senate district and uh, proud to be known as one of the most uh, conservative former members of the state legislature. But uh, I, big on fiscal responsibility and, and uh, fiscal conservatism. So, um, you know, for example, uh, I pushed a bill requiring the state to pay back every dime that we borrow from our uh, mm-hmm. state savings account. Um, uh, we, we, we built in uh, budget reform with the Rolling Reserve Budget Act to make sure that we were uh, setting aside money for a rainy day yeah. for education. It's been very effective. Uh, but these are the kinds of things that, that I w- uh, with that legislative experience, I would bring to the, to the um, Chief Justice's office, make sure that our courts have stable funding, steady funding, but not only that, making sure we're allocating resources based on where they're actually needed and not based on politics. Mm. And so that's very important. Um, as, a, as a former JAG officer, I'm, I'm a retired Army judge advocate, uh, 21 years uh, over, across active duty, the reserves, and the Alabama National Guard. So I've, I've served in Iraq. I served in Honduras. Uh, I'm a veteran. And um, we, we're going to uh, focus on expanding veterans courts. Uh, in our court system. We Hmm. have a few courts in the state that do what we call veterans courts. These are uh, alternative sentencing programs, treatment programs for veterans that have fallen through the cracks. Maybe it's substance abuse, maybe it's gambling addiction, whatever whatever it may be that a veteran has fallen into and somehow they've encountered the justice system. But um, the difference between veterans and a lot of other folks is veterans have this safety net already with the the programs at the federal level at the VA. They're already paid for. It doesn't cost Alabama taxpayers any more money to get a veteran into the right programs that already exist for them. Hmm. So we have a couple of courts in the state that are doing that very successfully now. Uh, I want to take that statewide, make sure that we're serving all of our veterans in every every county, uh, getting them connected with the services that are available to them. and then, of course, uh, I'm a former prosecutor, former military mm-hmm. prosecutor, and so uh, I think uh, we need we need. Where'd cons- you go to law school? I went to University of Texas. Okay. I went to undergrad at Alabama. Right. I had the opportunity to go to University of Texas for law school okay. in Austin. A great, great school. Um, and we talked about you serving in the Riley administration. Yeah. Serving in the Ivy yeah. administration. So, uh, so you you've been in. Um, You've been in two of the three. I've been in two of the three branches, and yeah. and, at, at, and that's at the senior most levels. And so that experience, uh, I'm going to draw on that experience as chief justice, and uh, I think I can be one of the most effective chief justices that the state's ever had. All right, uh, Brian Taylor, and it's uh, BrianTaylor.com uh, is his website. If you want to go there and learn more about him, uh, again, uh, on the ballot, March five, March fifth, uh, is the uh, primary vote, and uh, it's only two people, right? That's so right. somebody's going to get more than 50% and move on to the general election. Yeah. Quite honestly, this is the election. This is it. This uh, is it. You know, I, that, like we said earlier, there's a Democratic candidate, but I expect that uh, that this will be a heavily uh, yeah. heavy Republican this turnout is it. in the general. Uh, so. March 5th, whoever uh, gets that, that vote that day, the majority, is going to be your next uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, uh, unless something really, really uh, off the wall happens. All right, he's going to hang around for another hour or something like that, maybe 30 minutes, and talk with us uh, about the gambling issue and uh, go into the current law, what's legal, what's not. Uh, and if something's not legal, why is it still happening? Um, go and explain the Porch Creek uh, Indians and some of those situations. We'll do all of that on the other side, BrianTaylor.com.